Yeah, if you, yeah, round of applause. If you get a chance to watch that whole thing, I highly, highly recommend it. And since their request was that we pray for them, can we just spend a little time and, and pray for our first responders? Uh, so everybody just close your eyes and turn our attention to the Lord. Lord, thank you for those who uh, have given their lives to protect to serve, to do the dangerous and hard and gritty things. Lord, we pray for the first responders that are in here this morning, that you would meet them, that you would encourage them, strengthen them. And I pray for the rest of us that you would give us uh, eyes to see, compassion, uh, that, that we would continuously encourage and pray for uh, our first responders. I pray for their small group that uh, not only those who already know you would know you deeper, but those who don't know you would be drawn in to what they see from Justin and Isaac and their spouses and everybody else who's involved. So we pray blessing over them. Would you add to their number? Be pleased to add to their number. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again. Um, for what you do. I had a chance to just say thank you quick, but it, it wasn't enough. So if you see Justin and Isaac, if you, if you have any first responders that you are close to, make sure to just say thank you and, and let them know you're praying. Um, today's passage, we're covering a couple things. It's that the Lord opens hearts. The Lord opens the eyes of hearts and that the gospel, the news about Jesus, is good and powerful, because Jesus is good and powerful. But I have to address the elephant in the room. Um, I shaved my mustache, and <laughs> the eight people who noticed are devastated. Uh, it was glowing and radiant and glorious. Anna is crushed. Nicholas is beside himself. We just... Um, so we're going to put on a brave face and keep going. Uh, <laughs> last week, Andrew set us up by sharing how Paul and the gang are headed to Asia, they're, or they're trying to anyway, and then the Holy Spirit prevented them uh, from, from continuing in Asia, and so instead, they head to Philippi, which is where, uh, it's in, in modern-day Greece, it's in, in Macedonia, so that's where we pick up this week. So if we want to pull up the, the scripture for today... Uh, Acts 16, 11 through 15. It says, From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of the, the district of Macedonia. Again, modern-day Greece, they, a lot of people were saying that Philippi would have been basically like mini-Rome. Um, and they stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. That's because it's a Roman city. They wouldn't have had a synagogue. And so they sat down to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a, wood, a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia. Fun fact, because I studied this week, Thyatira is actually in Asia. So when, like Andrew was talking about last week, when Paul and the gang are trying to go to Asia to reach people there, um, they're prevented from doing that. They're called to Macedonia by the man in the vision. And they go there, and then the first person that they really encounter is actually from Thyatira. And another fun fact, 
Thyatira is one of the churches in the book of Revelation. When there are the seven letters written to the churches, Thyatira is one of those seven churches. And so we don't really know much about Lydia's story, but like, what if she went back and started the whole... Anyway, that's for another time and not, not for me. Anyway, she was a dealer in purple cloth. Um, so she was wealthy. That was uh, an expensive trade at the time. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Um, So this is an incredible story, and it's covered all in just five verses. So there's a few things that are are, kind of generally pretty significant. And one is that this makes Lydia the first convert, the first Christian in all of Europe, which from a quick glance, I could tell most of us are from Europe, descent somewhere. Um, it's a big deal that she is the first recorded convert in all of, all of Europe. Um, this starts the church in Philippi, her home, when they went and stayed at her home. This would become the base for the church of Philippi, who Paul later wrote the book of Philippians to. And if you get nothing else from this message, if you go home and just read Philippians this week, it's four chapters. It's really easy, but it's really powerful, especially if you like, are like me and you have a hard time staying in a rhythm of reading scripture. You don't know where to jump back in or start. Just start with uh, Philippians this week, and, and that will be better than anything I have to give you this morning. But the second thing to notice is that uh, as soon as Lydia is saved, her and her whole household are baptized. And so just real quick, if you are a parent, like just tell, tell your family about Jesus. I had a really powerful moment this week. Um, my dad, and I didn't clear this with him, so if he's watching online, I'm sorry. Um, I try not to tell people when I'm speaking so they don't come for that. But uh, he... <laughs> He just texted us and said, hey, this God is really important to me, and I don't talk about him enough, and so I want to share my journey with you. And it was so powerful. It was so simple. It wasn't like he was diving into the text or anything. He just shared a Bible verse with us, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these will be added to you. And it just set the tone for me, it, and it just it means something uh, special to, that it came from my dad. And so uh, I want to just encourage you to do that. Um, Jesus is, is worth it. So it says also another thing. It says they got baptized right away. And uh, I, I'm not a theologian or an expert. And I, so there's a, people say a lot of things about baptism. Here's my expert opinion. Baptism is good, and you should do it if you haven't. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've decided to follow him, um, get baptized. It's really good. That's, that's the most I know about um, uh, So yeah. There's, there's something from this passage that I feel like the Lord is really highlighting, and it's in the second verse of 14. So, Dwight, if I could have you pull that up for me. So she was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The Lord opened her heart to respond. So this has a lot of implications, and, and people much smarter than me can really tease it out, but I feel like there was kind of two things that I felt like the Lord wanted to share today. Uh, so a little bit, the, the word open, uh, the Lord opened her heart. Um, one of the commentaries said the word open here used properly refers to the opening of the eyes and the heart or the mind has its eyes. These are closed by nature and to open them is the peculiar work of God 
the peculiar work of God. It is the unique work of God that the eyes of our heart and our mind are opened. And um, I, I love how he said that. The, uh, and then the same way, if we can pull up Matthew eleven twenty-seven, 27, Jesus is talking. It's the same word that uh, is in italics here to reveal. So Jesus is saying, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wants to reveal to him. And it's the same, the same word being used there, to reveal to him. And, and again, it's the, the Son reveals the Father. So uh, the word heart, uh, he opened her heart, uh, is the very core of a person. It would have been understood. I, I think sometimes we, it feels kind of arbitrary or, or just like abstract to talk about our heart. And, um, but it, they would have understood it. it's the seat of thought and emotion. When we talk about our heart, a lot of times we mean just feelings, but it's, it's the seat of your thought and your emotions. It's your intellect and your feelings at the very core of a person. Um, and so the Lord revealed himself to Lydia and opened the eyes of her heart to respond to Paul's message. And I think it's a beautiful insight to the mystery of salvation, but there's, there's two angles that I want to uh, kind of approach with this concept. The Lord opened the eyes of her heart. And the first is that I wouldn't and you wouldn't know God unless God introduced himself. I, I can take zero credit that I have been saved. I didn't attain revelation by my own effort. Um, I, ha- I have offended some people already now. <laughs> Just kidding. You guys are good. Um, my faith... Your faith is a work of God. And however strong or weak you feel like your faith is in this moment, I want you to be encouraged. It is a work of God. He introduced himself. Otherwise, you would not even be curious about who he is. No one else could have done this. It didn't say God sent an angel to open her heart. It didn't say Paul's message opened her heart. He himself interacted with the very core of your being that you might have even a little faith, and that even that little faith would become big faith. And so um, I, had, I felt like I was supposed to tell a little bit of my story. I was saved when I was seven. And so I get really excited about VBS coming up this week. Is, that, is it five to fifth grade? Is that right? Four to fifth grade, even better. Um, I, I, I like said the prayer, and I... I had this, another experience kind of after high school, right before I went off to college, where I would say something really took hold. And, and so for a while, I used to kind of tell my story as like, yeah, I said the prayer when I was seven, but it didn't really count. And that's just so wrong. When I was seven, I was so unjaded and so unaffected. My faith was so pure. And so I want to tell you right now, if you're seven, if you're four, up to fifth grade, this message of Jesus is for you. You are the church. Your parents are not just sending you to VBS for free babysitting this week. You have a chance to know the living God. It is for you. And, and so I had this really powerful moment in worship. And I was actually at Doug and Bev's house. And it was just in the living room with like five or six people. Oh, I'm so grateful for that time. And I don't know if I've told you guys enough. 
they just let me lead worship for like two hours, and it was messy and, and probably not very good. But the presence of the Lord would come. And I, I don't get pictures or, or visions often, but I had this kind of sort of movie thing kind of play out in my head. And it was this picture of me as a seven-year-old boy, kind of back in, in Bible times. Um, and I'm just wearing like tattered clothes. I'm dirty. I'm snotty. I'm, I'm beat up. And I'm alongside this road because the king is about to pass by. And I really want to see the king. Everybody wants to see. And so we're all like pressed up against the road, but I'm too small, too weak to fight my way to the front. So I'm just stuck on the outside. And I, I can kind of see the top of the chariot as it's coming by. And then all of a sudden it stops. And the sea of people part. And the king comes. <laughs> he comes walking towards me. And he picked me up, and he just brought me right into his chariot, and we just got to go. Uh, and I'm just in this, in this moment, like, just start crying while I'm supposed to be leading worship. <laughs> and I just had this question, like, God, what good was I to you? Like, what good is a sickly seven-year-old boy to you? Like, what, what use am I? To you, And I felt like he said back to me that I saved you when you were seven so that you wouldn't think it was because you impressed me that I saved you. You wouldn't think that there was any other reason than that I saw you and I loved you. And I think that <laughs> I needed that because I get prideful and I think it's because I do impressive things and he just showed me, he opened my heart in that moment again to when he first saved me. To hear him say, I saw you, I was moved by you, and I rescued you. And, uh, and so that's what, the, in Paul's message, or in this, this passage, it doesn't say that Paul's message opened her heart. The Lord himself opened her heart to respond. And so the second angle, other than like, let's just be grateful that God himself reached into the core of us and helped us see. Uh, the second angle is, we're talking about let's go. We're talking about how to serve and encourage and evangelize uh, in the name of Jesus, with the presence of Jesus. And so I just want you to be encouraged as we're doing that. If you take a risk and you share Paul's message, if you share the gospel, it's on him to open the person's heart. It's just not, it's not in your ability to open somebody's heart. It's not in your power um, to make them receive it. And so the question comes back to us, do we trust that the Lord would do that work the same way he did in us? Um, and I say this as like, this is my world. I come here and I work here 40 hours a week and I interact with you who are all willingly here, I think, and with other church staff. And, and so I am not on the front lines. You are. I'm here to build you up and encourage you because you are the ones. You are Justin and Isaac who are in the workplace telling other people about Jesus, encouraging. It is you guys are the ones. This is for you. And so um, I, all I can do is encourage you. Um, it is your command to share. It is the Lord who will open somebody's heart. 
If salvation wasn't about how good or deserving you are, then it's the same for other people. And so, the, just the question, do we have faith that God will do his part, or do we have more faith that we'll mess it up when we try to share? Um, and so, I, I want you to actually turn in, into groups, maybe with somebody you didn't come with, and I just want you to think of like your favorite movie, the top movie that you would recommend, maybe two or three, but just favorite movie, whatever comes to mind, just tell somebody around you. Ready, go. Say hi with a smile. If everybody had a chance to share, we'll bring it, bring it back. Man, lots of movies. If you answered The Gladiator or Sandlot, then you're correct. Um, now, I want you to think about the most, what's the most, you don't have to talk about the singers, what's the most average movie you've ever seen? Just the, the most average, like, yep, I saw it. Not sure it was worth my time. It's not bad. This is just average. Just think of it. It's probably an early 2000s rom-com. <laughs> Anna is giving me daggers somewhere. but Like you share, you have recommended, I'm willing to bet, that you have recommended your favorite movie a lot more than the most average movie. You probably can't even think of the most average movie. It just gets lost. What does that say? about what we believe about the message of Jesus. I, I said at the beginning, the gospel is good, and it's powerful. And I wonder if, and I know this has been true for me, sometimes I don't think that the gospel is actually good news for somebody. I think it would be offensive for them to hear. It feels like I'm putting this strict set of rules on somebody even though with no reason. And I, I wonder if that's what holds us back, that we don't, we know it's good news. It's good news for me. I don't know if it's good news for them. Um, or I wonder if we question whether it's powerful enough for somebody else. We see from the outside, we see their brokenness. We see like, oh, they would never uh, go for this. And, and I just think, I think it's because I, maybe we, I'm talking to myself. I have a small view of the gospel. And so I want us to just, I'm going to go through some, some passages here to just, because the word of God is the gospel and, I, and, and more powerful than what I could say, which is maybe something I could have made an application. That if you want the, the eyes of your, if you want the Lord to open the eyes of your heart, the word of God is a good place to start, but um, Paul's message is the simple gospel, and we'll get into that a little bit. I want to start with that it's good. Uh, so if you can pull up John three sixteen and 17. For God, would you just receive this? I know you, everybody's heard these passages. Just receive it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's good news. Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news. Colossians 1, 21 through 23. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move on from the hope held out in the gospel. That's good news. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is good news. That is good news. Lord, open our eyes. Open the eyes of our heart to see how good this is. It is powerful. Paul actually describes his message uh, in 1 Corinthians. And this leaves us with no excuses. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. It's not just for pastors. Not with wisdom and eloquence, thank the Lord, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. A few verses later, chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, it says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Oh, there's so much power in the cross. You don't have to have it all together. <laughs> This is such a weird thing for me to talk about. If you ask anybody who was around me as I was preparing to share this with you, I struggled, but it's, it's, it is, there is power in the cross. There is power in what Jesus has done for us. You don't have to be able to explain everything and answer all the questions, but if you believe that it is good and God opens the eyes of your heart and you just share Christ and Him crucified on our behalf, on other people's behalf, we would be so shocked at how many people run to him that he would actually respond. And, and as we tell people about him, they would give their lives to him because he would open their heart to receive it. Uh, the gospel is powerful. I, it's not like I've been around um, people, and it's not just that like I've done all these things or seen all these things, but I have been around to see people get healed. Uh, I've seen cancer uh, diagnoses change when the doctors didn't expect it to. I've seen people's legs 
They were different lengths, and I watched God. <laughs> I have a video. He, just, he stretched out the person's leg. <laughs> I had this. It was just funny to me. Maybe no one else. It actually grew past the other leg. <laughs> and I had to say, stop, and then it stopped. And then the other one, we had to even it out. It was so crazy. But it healed the person's back. They had back and hip problems because their legs were different lengths. And we just prayed and we watched God grow his leg. And I've seen people get out of a wheelchair and walk for the first time in eight years. And I've seen the Lord heal food allergies and headaches and colds. Um, I didn't ask permission to share this story. But early on, while Anna and I were uh, dating, we had just come to something here that was like really powerful. So we're really amped up. We're talking about prayer. And she had a cold. And I was like, all right, let's pray. <laughs> I put my hand on her face. And I just said, God, would you release all of the congestion? And immediately, all the snot and it just came pouring out. And we had just started dating. It was so gross, but it was so, it was so amazing. We just prayed, just prayed for a cold. And immediately, God just released all of the, the stuff that was... It was wild. Um, <laughs> but the biggest, the biggest miracle I've ever seen and experienced for myself is that God can open the eyes of somebody's heart. That to their very core, they can be one way and they catch one glimpse of Jesus and they're totally new. He's done it in me. He's, he keeps doing that in me. Like I said, I, I mean, I, I was saved when I was seven, truly. I truly saved when I was seven, but as I kind of grew up in it and I uh, heard the gospel message so many times, but I had this moment, and I keep having these moments, even recently, where uh, I was in worship and somebody had just talked about grace and what Jesus paid for on the cross and what that means for me now. And something happened again. Like I was already saved, but the Lord opened the eyes of my heart and I felt this release, all the guilt that I had been holding on to. And, and I was like, kept praying for salvation because I was like, it must not have took because I still keep sinning. And that's not true. Don't believe that. But I just had this moment again where he reminded me what he paid for on the cross and that it counts for me. He took my sin, my shame, and he paid for it once and for all, past, present, future. And I just had this, it just hit me again fresh. I'd heard it so many times in my life, and for whatever reason, in that moment, I heard it again, and the Lord opened the eyes of my heart. And I felt this love and this electricity just overwhelm me. And, I, and so maybe that's you. You have heard the gospel message so many times. You, you have told other people the gospel message even. And I just want to say, keep your eyes on Jesus because he's going to keep showing you just from the simple message. Jesus died for you. He loves you. And he's raised to new life that you could be raised to new life with him. It means more and more and more and more. And uh, that's my prayer for us this morning. So I'm, I'm going to invite uh, Nicholas and Danielle up, and I'm just going to show us one more verse. We get to take communion today. And I'm so excited about communion um, because I think it's another way that the Lord opens the eyes of our hearts. I want to look at a, another Jesus story. This is from uh, Luke 24, uh, starting at verse 30. 
This is after Jesus is resurrected, and they're on the road to Emmaus, and he's walking with disciples, people that he knew and knew him well, but they don't recognize him. For whatever reason, they, they, can't, they can't put together that it's him. They're walking along the path. He's opening up the scriptures to them and explaining it to them. And all of this time, walking and talking with him, they don't realize it's him. But then we get to Luke 24, verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And I think that that can happen for us this morning. Um, we can't open the eyes of our hearts, but we can pray that God would. And, and so uh, there is something more than, more than just a sign, a mystery to me that I think happens when we take in God's body broken for us and his blood poured out for us. And so during this uh, first song, we're, we're going to come forward. Um, no one's going to dismiss you or anything. I just for us to respond, to come and, and partake in the body and the blood. You don't need to wait in a huge long line. Just wait till it's open. But during this first song, come forward and receive communion for you. Receive his body. It's broken for all of us. It's broken for you. His body broken for you. His blood poured out for you. And so, let me just pray. And I'm going to invite Andrew up to kind of lead us in communion. But God, would you open the eyes of our heart as we take communion today? We want to receive your body broken for us. Not just for other people who have it more put together. Not even though I've been a Christian, and I, but I still mess up all the time. Still broken. Body still broken for you, for us. And we partake in the blood, the precious blood of Jesus shed for us. There was no more valuable thing in all of the known universe that could have been given on your behalf than the blood of Jesus. There is no higher price. So what could snatch you away? What could pull you away? God, would you wash us afresh as we take communion today? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.